Hello, welcome back. This time, I have a story for you about a master. A man who has perfected every aspect of his practice. And through his art, he has gained mastery of his universe. But today, an act of sheer chance will show him that the world may be much bigger than just his universe. We are around the campfire, and this is where our story begins. Everybody knows that our universe is ending, but even then, you just don't expect it to ever actually happen to you. For years, I'd been seeing people get warped into non-existence by the spontaneous anomalies, but you kind of just get used to it. Total reconvergence wouldn't happen in our lifetimes, the scientist said. Probably our children's, maybe our grandchildren's. And it wasn't like a war or another bout of climate change. Reconvergence wasn't our fault or anyone's. It just was. Like time or the direction up. I think my parents' generation had a real panic, but I don't even remember a time before the anomalies. I was six steps into my infamous tangerine duck confit. When the critics are in, I don't trust anybody in the kitchen with it. Or I should say I didn't used to trust anybody, because when I reached out to turn the burner down, suddenly there was no burner at all. No stove, no controlled panic of my kitchen, none of the heat from the fires with which my crew and I forged the finest dishes in that continent, perhaps that world, perhaps that universe. But I was suddenly somewhere else. Warm, sea-scented wind, soft sand just hugging the bottoms of my brogues, a gentle rustle of foliage and the wistful sigh of waves. I was standing on a beach, the finest sand I'd ever seen. It was light green, which made the pristine shallows a dazzling emerald, brighter than even the most touched-up holiday brochures. I looked behind me slowly. A forest. It looked tropical, in the sense that there were trees that looked like coconut trees, with clumps of large things that looked like coconuts. But... They were not coconut trees, because they had blue-gray needles instead of green fronds, and the nuts were not round, but shaped like the club suit in a deck of cards. When people had asked me, I'd used to say, Well, I can't comment on whether I'm the greatest chef in the world, but there's none better. I had no idea if I was still among the greatest chefs in the world, because I wasn't in the world anymore. 
I'd been warped to a new one with absolutely no way home. I waited for the desperation to hit, but it didn't. Something about the cosmic scale and absolute unavoidability of the reconvergence made it hard to be afraid of and hard to hate. I decided I wanted a glass of water. No glasses in sight, but lots of water. I walked a few steps towards the surf, then decided to kick off my shoes. The sand was warm beneath my toes, but finer than sand, more like flour. The black brogues nested on the pristine beach, glaringly ugly behind me like cigarette burns on a postcard. I turned away from them and looked at the green sea again, sliding in and out, beckoning. Now, I know not to drink seawater if you're thirsty on Earth, but who knew if this water was salty, or even water? Maybe it was toxic. I bent down on my hands and knees and tried to get a sniff. It smelled like ocean. I dipped my fingers in the water, and to my mild surprise, they did not melt into sizzling slime or even sting. I popped a finger in my mouth with a moi. Salty. Another flavor, too. Subtle. An earthy flavor, not unpleasant, but unfamiliar. What are the chances? I said to myself. And then I began to think some more, because what were the chances of any of this? Sure, the trees and the bushes and sand were a bit different, but they were still trees. This was still a beach. Those were still nuts bobbing just beneath the foliage. What were the chances that this ocean was salty? And more importantly, what were the chances that the evolution of these plants had produced something so recognizable? I decided that they were impossibly small chances, unless there was something about trees and oceans and hospitable planets that was in some way necessary by some universal law. Maybe there's something about the forces of gravity and logic that tend towards forming salty oceans. Maybe those forces also determine an evolutionary optimum shape that happens to be tree-like, and all kinds of plant life is being pushed down the evolutionary pathway towards becoming a tree. It was a bit of a disappointing theory. For all the media depictions of possible warp locations, it seemed like I had to say goodbye to the possibility of gaseous life forms and sentient planets, or mind-boggling descriptions of fifth-dimensional objects, or other things so strange that no amount of human creativity could even begin to conceptualize them. But no, it was trees and a beach. In fact, all the multiverse had shown me in the end was that even across all its infinite incarnations, the world is actually pretty small. And then I smelled something, something good. It was meat, rich, and decadent, almost pork, but not quite, cut with something fresh and fragrant like trodden grass and Thai basil and mint and lime zest. Almost as soon as I had smelt it, it was gone again, drifting away on the gentle ocean breeze. I stood, closed my eyes, and took a deep breath through my nose. There it was. I stumbled blindly towards the scent. It was definitely meat, and I smelled smoke, too. I opened my eyes and sure enough saw a little dark smudge drifting up from somewhere in the jungle. I ran towards it. 
Unfamiliar plants slid their almost animate limbs and arms and fingers and fronds across my face as I plunged through the alien forest. Rich smells filled my nose, evoking familiar emotions, and yet they themselves were not familiar. A smell like, but not quite like, the smell of dirt. Like, but not quite the smell of oyster mushrooms on rich, decaying oak. Like, but not quite the musk of pine needles in their tangy sap. And under it all, that delicious smell of roasting meat. I pushed through a layer of brush and was out on the shores of a beautiful little lagoon, surrounded by forest but for the little channel where the lagoon flowed back to the ocean. Sitting by the lagoon, on a rock that was just the right size and shape for a chair, was a person. A man. I wasn't sure if I was numb with shock or totally unsurprised. He was leaning over a little fire, fanning it with a small white cap he'd removed from a balding head and wafting that glorious smell over the whole island. It was coming from something round over the fire, a pot of some kind. Was he dangerous? He wasn't dressed like a person who had been on an island for a long time, mostly in white with black boots. Maybe he had warped in like me. You wouldn't be able to pick him out of a crowd as a man from another universe. As I looked closer, I saw some seams and straps in kind of unusual places, but otherwise his clothes were nondescript, and that pot thing smelled just gorgeous. He saw me and leapt to his feet, gripping the stirring stick he'd been using in a clenched fist. I froze and stared at him. The trees sighed in the breeze. I raised a hand, slowly, in greeting, in warning, in friendship. He did the same, mirroring the movement. I felt something huge in the space between us. I felt that I was a powerful magnet, and he was, too, of an opposite charge. I stepped to the right. He stepped left. I stepped again. Again, he mirrored. We circled each other, like this, in the silence of the whispering trees and the crackling fire. Soon I arrived at the pot, and he stood where I had stood moments ago, watching me as I had watched him. Eyes still fixed on him, I cautiously leaned over the pot. This close, I caught more nuance in the scent, something peppery and floral and spicy. The pot looked like a small turtle shell or a large crab shell, and in it were fillets of some perfectly seared meat, half covered and simmering beautifully in a thick, dark sauce sprinkled with herbs slowly wilting into it. The bastard. It looked absolutely delicious. And then I realized. White slacks, white cap, white fold of cloth around his waist, of all the creatures in creation, I had to be stuck with some bullshit high-end chef. He watched me assess the meal warily. The stirring stick was low, gripped tight like a king's scepter during a revolution. I straightened and looked at him again. His cap rippled slightly in the alien wind. He stepped left. I stepped right. Soon we had completed the circle, and he had returned to his fire, 
but his attention was still on me, a beam of intense awareness piercing the impenetrable space between us. The pot steamed, far beyond my reach. You motherfucker, just wait, I said. He did not look away as I backed up slowly until I felt the gentle caress of the forest at my back. Then I turned and ran. I knew what I was looking for. I almost tripped over a black piece of almost slate, and I grabbed it. Back to the beach I ran, and when I reached the place I had begun, I followed the coast along until I found a stony outcrop dotted with rock pools, crevices, and caves. And then I went foraging. It was like being gaslit by an entire universe. Sea anemones ran away instead of squeezing up into a ball when you poked them. Crabs with four legs walked forward instead of sideways, and little schools of white-bait fish beached themselves and scurried away over land on dozens of tiny tentacles. It was all very unnerving at first. But soon, I realized that certain rules still held true. Seafood was seafood. And with each thing I caught and smelled and tasted, I realized that mastery of this universe was within my grasp. My thoughts wandered to the fillets simmering in the turtle shell. Fucking motherfucker. Next, I was in the forest. As I had suspected, tubers had many of the same recognizable features as on Earth, and there were plenty on the island. This time I was ready for the surprises, Pink potatoes that tasted of radish and yam in freakishly long tubes instead of bulbs. But for all their antics, they were still potatoes. And potatoes hold no secrets for me. The mysteries of this world were falling to me one by one. Lemons no longer existed, but citrus plants grew as bushes. The coconuts were actually huge blackberry-like berries, and saltwater rice plants grew spherical rice by the lagoon's delta. The sun had begun to set by the time I was ready. I'd worked up a sweat, but what lay before me on the black slate platter was some of my greatest work. Each element perfected on earth and perfectly adapted to this world's new equilibrium of primary flavors. If anything, the new ground and discovery of the exercise had produced something not only perfect, but new and full of life. Something between a dance, an expedition, and a revelation lay plated on the slate I held as my feet carried me back to the clearing by the lagoon. There sat my enemy. He looked up at me but did not speak. The fire had died down, and he was just in the process of leaning over and removing the pot. It was still in his hands, level with the slate platter in mine. I raised the platter. Motherfucker, I said. Can we go? He said back and raised his pot. We held them above our heads like offerings to primal gods. I could no longer tell who was leading and who was following in our dance. We circled each other once, twice, and then slowly lowered our platters and stepped back. They lay there, in gorgeous opposition. My oyster ceviches, bejeweled with diamonds of fresh sea salt above the glistening of their own pearlescent shells, lounging in a field of eight intricate flowers of finely sliced pink yam radish, candied in savory pine sap. 
and framing the scene were my slices of charred mochi topped with a rainbow salad of nuts, fruits, and herbs, all against the slick, bold black of the slate. His fillets had been sliced to reveal a perfect grain to the meat, and the rich, deep scent was one hundred times richer and deeper, integrated perfectly with those green notes. He had dropped a pile of greens across the gorgeous slices, and they had fallen with the perfect chaos of the master chef's garnish. The greens were dressed with a light yellow oil, and shavings of nuts and sea salt added a gratifying layer of texture to the dish. We circled each other again, each step heavy, slow, ritual. Finally, we knelt by each other's masterpiece. As one, we reached down with great significance, he for an oyster, I for a piece of meat wrapped in the salad. The flesh came away easily between my fingers, begging to be digested. As it broke, a new bout of smells blasted me, and I lost control. He was raising the oyster shell to his mouth. I bit down on the meat. It was perfect. A perfect balance of fatty, tender, salted, all the flavor of rare, all the tenderness of sous vide, lended strength and structure by the fibers of the greens and nuts that cut through the depths of flavor refreshingly, guaranteeing that I could eat and eat and eat the same dish until the day I died and have not a single regret, and at the same time lending a new depth, new dimension to the flavors of meat, highlighting pleasant contrasts where none would be expected, Suggestions of clove and tarragon and other notes that I could not identify, which only amplified the impact of the perfect, perfect fillet. But that wasn't the worst of it. Because eating away at me as I savored that great art, with each shifting wave of flavor, each twang of new pleasure, was one unbearable truth. The loss of my world the uncertainty of my future, were forgotten beneath that crippling realization. This victory was his, but not because of the different laws of this new universe, nor the new captivating flavors of this ecosystem. It was because of him, and I had no idea what he had done. Mouth still full of balanced ecstasy, I raised my head to see him, he was sat on his knees, staring at the empty oyster shell. He looked up at me, and I saw my tears mirrored in his eyes, and realized his would be mirrored in mine. I crawled across the sand towards him, pulling him into an embrace, swallowing, tears streaming down my face. I never knew, I said to him as I held him. I never knew. And together in that alien world, we wept. There are whole universes to be explored in a really good meal. I hope you enjoyed this story. I hope you listened after you've already eaten. And if you haven't, I hope you've got some food coming soon because I personally am starving now. <laughs>
As always, thank you very much for joining us. And if you have any questions or aspects about the story you'd like to explore further, or suggestions for future stories, or requests for sequels or alternate endings, just send us a message at please send campfires at gmail.com. That's an AI-generated email address. And uh, we can explore this together. One last time, thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you next time around the campfire. <laughs>